Thanks for tuning in to Ballistic Strength Radio. We had originally planned to release our conversation with John DePadua of Core Physiotherapy and the Core Competitive Kettlebell Team, but unfortunately could not due to technical difficulties. We will be touching base with John following Canadian Nationals to catch up with him on his team's performance there, as well as recap some topics discussed in our original recording. And don't forget, we have our second annual Grip Strength Kettlebell Competition coming up on September 15th at the Coast Bastion Inn in Nanaimo, British Columbia, Canada. Registration is on right now and open to all lifters. Sign up before August 6th and you can get your additional events free of charge. That's $75 Canadian plus GST for one or more events. Register within the early bird period, again, until August 6th. And you also have the option of getting your event t-shirt for only $5 Canadian plus GST. I'm also hosting a post-comp barbecue at my residence in Nanaimo. Tickets for that are $20. This year, we are also modifying Snatch Only to make it a little bit more interesting and potentially more competitive. Perhaps we can get some people trying a bell weight heavier than they are used to and give them that nudge to keep plowing forward with their progress. All of these options are available at www.gripstrength.ca slash registration. I'd also like to thank some of the local businesses and organizations who are supporting us this year, such as the Nanaimo Hospitality Association, Panago Pizza North, Popeye's Nanaimo, and Alloyed Fitness Equipment. Today we have a special episode for you. Jay Perkins of Austin, Texas is one of the founding members of Kettlebell Kings, the Texas-based kettlebell supplier. Since Kettlebell Kings sold their first kettlebell in 2013, they have earned a reputation for carefully designed and high-quality equipment, as well as consistent and meaningful customer engagement. If you'd like to know more about the inner workings of Kettlebell Kings, don't go anywhere. Let's just start off basic. Um, can you give us a little bit of your history before Kettlebell Kings? What did you do before Kettlebell Kings? Uh, so Kettlebell Kings is technically my third job since oh, okay. college, I guess you would say. Um, so for the first six years after college, I actually did financial planning. Okay. Um, and that's a pretty tough job. It's pretty sales intensive. I thought I was going to be you know, investing people's money and making people millions of dollars. And first day on a job, they talk about how this is boiler room and this is a sales job. So um, I managed to do that for six years. And then uh, for about that, the immediate time after that, I was selling software for about 18 months at an e-commerce company. And we actually started the business on the software that I was selling. Okay. So, and so kettlebells have been full time for about four years now. And are you kind of the finance guy out of the three owners? No, that would actually be Nehemiah. Okay. Um, so, you know, one of the exciting things as the business grows is it's, it's, you, there's just so much to do that you have to start actually having divisions of labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are actually just now getting into that in the past six months. And so, Nehemiah does the finance. Uh, my other partner, Chad Price, handles the business to business. 
and I run operations and marketing. Oh, okay. So you guys got kind of have your divisions and then you share kind of communication and discuss things and kind of take it off into your different avenues and whatnot that you guys specialize yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, we've always tried to make team decisions and most decisions go in front of the team before anything is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like I mentioned, we've been very fortunate to continue to grow our business each year over the past four years. And so the sheer volume of it all necessitates uh, just, we, you know, we're in business with each other because we trust each other in the first place. And so that more so than ever, when it's like, Hey, we don't need to see every single thing that comes across each of our desks. Um, and uh, we have this division to labor now. So what were some of those uh, important questions in the beginning that required all three of you to have your input on and to, and to kind of be all on the same page about? That's a great question. It's the short answer would be everything, you know, and that <laughs> just goes, I mean, that just goes from different tweaks and how the logo looked when we first started that, you know, that was a big group process, um, how the website looks, the verbiage on our product description, uh, choosing the different models, the different color schemes on the kettlebells themselves, um, you know, shipping questions. Uh, one of the big debates when we first started was, you know, we were the first company to do free shipping, I believe, through our website. Um, and so, you know, it was a big team decision. Should we actually do this free shipping thing? It seems kind of insane. It is uh, kind of insane because when it comes to weights. kettlebells and weights, you're, you're literally paying for the weight. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. And that's why the shipping companies actually love us because it's heavy, compact packages that are pretty durable. Well, and it also um, makes so, such a difference on, um, like, if people are pricing out various companies. There, there, there's right. going to be a huge price difference just by taking shipping alone out of the equation. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And so, I mean, that's an example of how, how that was all team decision making in the beginning. You know, now more so, um, you know, I handle the shipping contract negotiations and just put it in front of the team and we go over different options. And um, it, it's a, a little bit more, each of us have our own divisions now, but that would be an example. Um, you know, another example would just be if we were working with a chain of gyms, you know, we, we started, we've been fortunate, started to provide for some gym chains this year, um, where, you know, that would have been a collaborative effort on pricing and let's all get our heads together. And, you know, for example, now Chad handles all that. Um, okay. Or, um, you know, in the past, paying suppliers, you know, it would have been something where maybe I'm paying one bill, maybe Nehemiah is paying another bill, but now it's paid. Send everything to Nehemiah, he's taking care of it. Mm-hmm. So what made you guys want to go into being kettlebell suppliers? Like what initiated that conversation between the three of you that you wanted to start this company? Well, so like I mentioned, I was selling software and so it was e-commerce software. You know, anytime you buy something online, there's software making that experience happen. And um, in order to effectively sell that product, I learned a lot about um, online businesses and what it takes to build an online business so I could have more intelligent conversations with the prospects that I was talking to for that software. Um, all three of us had, I guess what you would call corporate jobs at the mm-hmm. time, um, or like, you know, as I refer to them, real jobs. Um, so we all had three real jobs and we knew we wanted to start a business. It's just in our nature. 
And so there was probably about a year's worth of planning where we were thinking about different business ideas. We would have weekly conference calls with each other because we were actually all were in different locations at that time. I was in Austin, Chad was in California, Nehemiah was in Houston. And we, for a while, we had about just weekly conference calls kind of going over different product ideas or different business ideas. Um, finally, we decided that we wanted to sell something online as opposed to try to create a service or something like that. And there were a few options that we discussed. Um, this was five, six years ago in the planning phases. And it, it just seemed very obvious that kettlebells uh, were coming and were here to stay. And there's a lot of practicality to them. It didn't seem like it's a fad, like, you know, some type of ad machine, ad machine that be here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, you know, both my business partners are college football, they played college football. So they had some exposure using them. Uh, I admittedly, my first exposure was through CrossFit type workouts. And it just seemed to make a lot of sense. And so we were trying to figure out what our angle would be. How would we separate ourselves? How would we be different than anything else that existed? And uh, we decided we were going to try to produce the, the highest quality we could, the absolute best kettlebells that we could, uh, as well as offer the free shipping. And so that was kind of the exciting factor. And did uh, either of you need a bit more convincing than the others? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, like I said, from the beginning, everything has been pretty collaborative. And so there, there was some convincing. You know, I think some of the other ideas we kicked around were like some decorative socks or something like that. Uh, so there were other business ideas. Um, eventually, we all got on the same page. And I think that one of the biggest lessons in business is sometimes you just have to go for it. And so we decided that we, we think we have these angles. We think we can execute and let's just do it. What were some of the points brought up against potentially uh, opening up your kettlebell supply um, store? Shipping costs is definitely one of them. Um, you know, in the beginning, we did not have any kind of special rates. We just had normal rates that anyone off the street could get. And, and that was just going to be a super expensive venture. Um, startup costs and kettlebells are not cheap. Um, you know, there's so many more products that you could probably get up and going for a lot less. But, uh, you know, to get started in the kettlebell business, you need a couple of containers. And so your outlay of funds in the beginning is a lot higher. You also need somewhere to store them. Um, so the, the biggest obstacles were going to be cost. So uh, you mentioned that you had a CrossFit exposure to kettlebells. Um, did you yeah. have much kettlebell sport exposure when you guys started? No, we, we actually did not. Um, we were very fortunate in that we got exposure to kettlebell sport pretty early on. So it was about five, six months in when we initially made a connection with Texas Kettlebell Academy. Um, I believe they found us through social media um, and they were going to be putting on their event, which they do every year in Austin mm -hmm. and we are now a part of, um, and they were looking for sponsors for the event. Um, it just happened to coincide with around the time we were going to be coming out with a new competition kettlebell model, um, you know, and you know, we are solicited for events pretty often, and even in the beginning we were, and we, we turned most of them down in the beginning, uh, but as we talked to Aaron from Texas Kettlebell Academy and learned more about it, it just seemed to make a ton of sense as far as what our goal was for the business is being able to 
to focus specifically on kettlebell related uh, items, not be a general fitness company. Uh, and so we decided that we would um, make the outlay of equipment that he needed, which for us was a big deal at the time. You know, it was a few thousand dollars worth of equipment, which was a lot for us at the time. Um, you know, we didn't quite have everything ready, so we had to pay an extra four or five thousand dollars to get like 40 kettlebells air freighted from our manufacturer uh, to have at the event. And so that's really where it all came together. And that's where we made some of the connections to Orange Kettlebell Club and a lot of the organizations and lifters that we work with today. Oh, okay. So if the initial exposure with, um, or, or the, the, the real substantial exposure with the kettlebell sport happened like five months in, what were so at five months in, what, what products did you have already at that point or what was in development? So we had, uh, that's a great question. We had our own version of competition kettlebells and I would say they were nothing special at the time. Um, they were pretty standard. Uh, they were nothing like what we currently provide today. We had, uh, powder coat kettlebells like we had today, essentially the same model, um, and so we had competition kettlebells, but as you know, when you start a business, you've got to be ready to learn a lot and you've got to be open to learn a lot. And, you know, I, I try to think of this, we need to find out where we're wrong on things almost on a daily basis so that we can correct things. And through doing that, that's how we kind of realized like, Hey, these competition kettlebells that we're currently selling, like there's nothing great about these, it, you know, lots of providers have a similar type you know, the type that just has fillers in them. So we need to start thinking about how we can have something a lot more unique. And that's where we did the sourcing for the model that we still currently sell. And that's, that's how we ended up getting paired up with Air and Texas Kettlebell Academy. So do you, do you know much about the design of the kettlebells? Like, would you be able to kind of like, if we ask questions in regards to it, answer some of the questions that we have? Yes. Okay. Um, just, uh, kind of some of the things we thought of um, back in 2015 leading up to um, the IUKL Worlds. So there was a lot of, um, there was rumor that the handles were going to be a different size. They were going to be 35 in Dublin, where most North Americans were used to 33. Um, right. So then there was a lot of panic as people were training. Did situations like this affect your guys' decision? Because you carry 33 and 35. Did you decide to add the second handle width, or did you guys always carry two handle widths? Like, how did you come about having the two sizes and why? Yeah, so that's a fantastic question. And it's kind of been like the existential question of our company for so long because uh, everything that we've ever tried to do is so heavily based on what the lifters need and want. Right. Uh, I mean, nothing that we, no decision that we've ever made has, as far as the product goes, has been like we think this is a good idea and we're just going to do it. It's always relied on uh, the the contacts and the resources we have in kettlebells uh, to help make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got 35 initially because that was the international standard at the time, um, and I think one of the benefits of not feeling like we knew everything about kettlebells in the beginning is we realized we need to have people we trust who we can go to for information. And so we were exposed to this debate very early on because I know even at the the initial Texas Open that we sponsored, some of the lifters there were used to lifting with 33s and and they had some trouble and weren't 
and maybe didn't necessarily feel that great about 35. Right. Um, so we got to 35 at the time just because everyone we talked to, that was the international standard. Mm-hmm. Um, after we decided that we really want to be the company that is the company of Kettlebell Sport, we want to be the provider for all the major events. We want to support the lifters. We want to get our feedback from the lifters. Um, it just seemed like through conversations with people uh, at AKA um, that it might go 33, it might not. And we felt confident enough in our brand at the time that if we knew if we put out a good 33 millimeter kettlebell, it would still sell. Right. Um, and so we decided, let's go ahead and get the 33 millimeters just in case IUKL goes that way. We're not left in the dust uh, because we want to work with lifters. We want to be the bell that people are prepping with for IUKL uh, or any of the other organizations. And so we decided, let's go ahead and order a bunch of 33 millimeter handles, get a design out for that. Um, and we just thought the worst case scenario was, you know, we'd still be able to sell them to, to, to other lifters. Mm-hmm. One other thing I've noticed, um, the, the handles have changed over the years. They used to be, um, the same thickness, like from one end to the other. And right. now the handle, um, kind of gradually gets wider as it connects to the bell. Was right. this on purpose or cause for me, I really like the insertion. Like I like how my hand goes through the bell. I don't know if that was part of the design or if it's just convenient for me. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's another great question. And again, it's, everything we've done has been so heavily based on lifter feedback and going to people we trust before we release anything. Um, and so that design it is actually a Russian design that I believe has been around for quite some time in Russia. Oh, okay. Um, and so when we first learned about it and decided we want to replicate it, um, we knew lifters who had been to Russia and used kettlebells like that, and they, they had very favorable things to say about them. Uh, we also got an initial batch of, you know, 30 to 40 of them. And we sent them out uh, just to quite a bit of lifters that we know, um, just, you know, for free to get their feedback. Hey, is this something you like? Hey, is this something you would want to work with? And, you know, these went out to all the top kettlebell lifters in the country. Everyone at Texas Kettlebell Academy, a bunch of folks at Orange Kettlebell Club. Uh, people like Tim Fox, for example, mm-hmm. um, and we send them out to get their feedback on all of them. Uh, and they all really liked it because they felt it was more ergonomic. Like if you look at your hand, how they would normally be hand- holding a kettlebell handle, um, this, that shape is actually more natural than a perfect um, circle or a, a perfect uh, you know, 35 millimeter diameter. It's actually more of a teardrop shape. Right. So it, it, it actually feels a lot more comfortable because it fits the hand more naturally. Mm-hmm. And um, also another change that's kind of happened over the last couple of years is um, it used to just be a solid bell. Now bells have the hole. Is right. there reasoning behind that? Yeah. Um, so like anything, and I think a lot of people take this for granted, especially people who may not do that in the kettlebells. But kettlebells are like any other organism or product and that they evolve and they change and they get better over time um and even as a kettlebell business you would think well you just you know you just sell punks of metal you know what's the big deal but um that's an example of where you got to constantly be on the lookout for new ideas and, and how to improve your product and so 
th- that is the model that I referred to earlier that we were just about to come out with when we first got paired up with Texas Kettlebell Academy. Um, and so the way that most kettlebells are made in the world really is it's a solid shell. It's like an eight kilogram shell. And then to maintain the same size and dimensions, regardless of weight, they have different proportions of like sawdust and ball bearings in them to achieve that desired weight. Mm-hmm. And so, like I mentioned earlier, where we, we knew we had to do something different, we knew we had to do something better. We discovered that model. Again, that, that's a model that had been in Russia for a while. Um, and a lot of Russian lifters were familiar with that. Uh, and so we saw it, it just immediately made so much sense because one, it eliminates the rattling around and the fillers on the inside um, so that the balance stays true over time. Most of the weight is in the top half of the bell, so it's a lot more comfortable and a lot easier to sit in the rack and overhead position. It doesn't pull down on you as much, which effectively makes it a safer bell as well. If you have less weight pulling down from the bottom of the kettlebell, it makes it easier to sit in that position. You don't have to worry about it coming down on top of you or pulling you over as much. Right. Um, so uh, that was definitely a conscious decision we made as far as, you know, how can we help evolve this product? How can we help make it better and, and, and come out with a, a best-in-class product? That's interesting. I never really thought, like, if the weight sat in the bell, because right when you said that, I'm envisioning someone with the their arms overhead, and if the weight was sitting more in the bottom of the bell, that would probably pull them backwards. Or if it's sitting more closer to the handle, and if it's directly overhead and they've got a good overhead, they're going to be a straight line with their weight directly over them. So that makes yeah. complete sense to me. Yeah, and, and you know, since you lift, you can immediately tell that difference. And I can just tell you, like, from people coming by our facility, wanting to buy here locally in Austin, who, you know, they want to try out a couple of different kettlebells. They've seen us online. Most of them are familiar with the traditional cast iron bell. But every time they rack competition kettlebell, they're like, is this the correct weight? Because it just seems to move so much easier for them because it's weighted in the top half of the bell. And it just seems to sit in those uh, rack and overhead positions so much easier. Mm-hmm. Do you guys sell very many um, non-competition uh, style bells? Or do you find yeah. mainly people want the competition style? Yeah, we do. Uh, we sell a pretty good amount of both. It, okay. Um, our, our two top sellers are the 16-kilogram powder coat and the 16-kilogram competition bell. Um, so they sell pretty evenly. Um, you know, we, we try to replicate some of the relationships that we have in the kettlebell sport world uh, into traditional lifting circles as well. Uh, so we have similar type relationships where we're trying to work with different organizations Mm-hmm. Um, or experts on those types of bells as well. So when you're working, so you guys try to be very neutral amongst all the different kind of organizations or federations and try to just have like good relationships with them, or are you guys trying to specifically associate with specific associations or? Uh, no, we, we always want to be as neutral as possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it would be very foolish to, uh, to to try to pick a winner in it. Um, so much of that is just out of your hands because you're relying on, you know, the, the marketing, the planning, the networking of those organizations themselves. Um, it, I've never really seemed to have heard a great reason why there should be any animosity amongst anyone in the kettlebell sport world. Right. And, and certainly most lifters don't want that either. Um, you know, I, obviously most lifters want to be able to go to a meet, whether it's 
such and such organization or another organization and just compete in kettlebells. Um, and so we try to approach that from the lifter perspective. You know, the lifter is who we work with. That's what our business is based on. And so uh, we try to replicate our business is what's best for the lifters. I have to say, like, one of the th- reasons I wanted to, like, reach out to you guys and have a conversation and just kind of interview about your business and whatnot is I really appreciate how you guys are going with the lifter approach. And, like, you look at your Instagram, your Facebook, you guys are really, you're sharing other people's posts, um, you're sharing other people's achievements, you're showing them using the kettlebells. I think that um, you guys have done an awesome job doing that. And that's um, it's not only going to help kettlebell sport grow because you're you're not just focusing on kettlebell sport. You can see that you're just kind of sharing anything kettlebell when people you're using your kettlebells. But I I really appreciate the fact that it's only going to help our kettlebell sport community grow. Um what made you guys do you feel like it's the current um social media phase that pushed you guys towards that or did you always have that vision when you guys started out yeah that's a great question and one of the things that you just mentioned that i I think that you would appreciate is you know so we actually do sell a pretty good amount of traditional kettlebells like if, if you look online for different rankings and you know like this kettlebell or powder coat kettlebell we're right up there you know if you look at any reviews we're right up there as uh you know one of the better brands more high quality brands but one of the things that we do is when someone purchases from us um if they don't purchase a competition kettlebell or even if they do about 30 days after they purchase from us, we send an automatic email out that introduces people to kettlebell sport. So let's say that someone bought a powder coat kettlebell from us, just, you know, they're just getting started. They want to do some kettlebell swings and some goblet squats at home. About 30 days after they purchase from us, they're going to get an email that says like, Hey, learn about kettlebell sport and why we like it and support it so much. Uh, And it it gives them an intro to it and actually takes them through a free tutorial that we've created uh, so that they can start learning long cycle. So we're definitely trying to help spread the gospel of kettlebell sport uh, to the people that we interact with uh, Mm -hmm. through our business as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's good to hear. Um, Have you tried a lot of kettlebell sport yourself? Uh, So we have. Yeah. And it's, hard obviously so <laughs> um so you know my business partners and i you know we've had uh aaron at texas kettlebell academy draw us up some snatch programs and we always envision that one of these days that one of the competitions we attend we're going to actually compete and, and just kind of blow everybody's mind so we we definitely do it on our own we've never actually stepped on the platform um we you know like i mentioned in the beginning we all have athletic backgrounds and so i think what like we can look at what's going on at a kettlebell sport event and just know how hard it is. Right. Like our minds were blown the first time we went to a kettlebell sport event because we just couldn't believe what people were doing. And we're all in shape. We're all healthy guys. And we're just like, we could not do what these people are doing, you know? Yeah. Um, I saw uh, the first meet we went to, we saw Nakona Jodri. He did like, you know, 150 
snatch reps or something like that with 28 kilograms. And he's just something insane to us. And we're more muscular types. He's like a real wiry strength. And it just, it just blew our minds what he was doing with the kettlebell. So uh, it's a fine balance, I think, where like we try to do it on our own. Uh, but we, just, we don't want to go out there and embarrass ourselves compared to all the incredible lifters. Well, I have to say, knowing the kettlebell community, you would never embarrass yourselves. Everyone is always so supportive and positive and encouraging that I think you guys would just get the bug and then never want to stop. Because I think that's what happens. Like we see that with our beginner lifters. They get the bug and the adrenaline and and they're just like, when's the next one? When's the next one? Yeah, no, that's that's certainly true too. And I think that's one of the things that really stuck with us the first time we attended Wax World in California within the last couple of years is you know, there's probably 150, 180 competitors there. And the people who were even competing against each other were so friendly and they're people who see each other, you know, a couple times a year from opposite sides of the country, but they couldn't be more happy to see each other yep. uh, and, and interact and catch up. And everyone's been so nice and friendly to us every time we go. Uh, you're exactly right. It is an incredible community of, of encouragement and people for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably one of the best things about it. I think that's what draws people to it, to be honest, is just even though we, there's many of us, who grind in our garage by ourselves and then we meet once or twice a year maybe three times a year with similar people and we're all how's your training been how have you been feeling and you just catch up and then you go away you grind in your garage again and then you come back and it's the same thing and each time it's seeing each other's progress and whatnot right yeah so what you just mentioned about training in your garage and that it's a good way to tie back into your earlier question about social media. Uh, you know, that's one of my favorite things to share on our social media is when you just have someone who's grinding away in their garage. You know, I find that so compelling to think of like, no one's really watching that person. They're doing it on their own and they have their own personal goals and their barriers that they're trying to break through and succeed. Um, and I, I can identify with that because we have our own goals and barriers in our business that we're trying to get through on a daily basis and succeed. And uh, I've always felt that that was so compelling, something that we can share on social media. And I think that is one of the reasons why uh, we have a good following on social media is because when other people see that or they see someone doing that in their garage or doing that at a park, it's something that they can identify with. And they're like, yep, I know what that's like. I know what that grind is like. I felt that. Like I've, I've wanted, I've had this goal I've wanted to hit. And so I think it really strikes a, a chord with people when they see us sharing that. And it's, it's helpful to know that there's other people like you going through that somewhere else in the world. Oh, definitely. It's motivating. It's motivating yeah. to know. Because I know I've had other lifters come up to me and they say, you know, I only train by myself. And I was like, I completely get it. I go yeah. into the gym by myself too. And, and, um, it's just in my, like our garage is our gym and we do train our clients in our garage, but right now I'm on not a serious training. So I joined the the group, but usually like training up to worlds, I was by myself in the garage three, four times a week. So I get that you have to be on your game focused. You have no one there to yell at you or anything. So it, it's that um, understanding of each other. That yeah, and I just we you know whenever I see someone 
share that. I've always just felt like that's a re- reflection of like what your truest moments are like, where you're competing with yourself, and you know you have to compete with yourself before you're ready to compete against other people. And so, I, like I said, I've always just thought there was something so compelling about seeing people training on their own like that on social media, and I think other people feel the same way. Yes, definitely, I agree. So. In Texas, what is the kettlebell community like? So we know that there is the Texas Kettlebell Academy. Is that the correct yes. name? Mm-hmm. And then are there more clubs in the vicinity or are they the main club? Or Yeah, so I think Texas probably is one of the more popular states after California. And I would just tend to group a lot of states on the East Coast together because there's so much more proximity compared to when you live in the middle of Texas, you're eight hours from everything. But, oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, Texas Kettlebell Academy is, is obviously fairly prominent. North Texas Kettle Club, Kettlebell Club exists. Um, so, you know, they're usually at the meets, and we're usually at the same meet. Uh, there, there was another Kettlebell Club in Austin uh, run by a woman named Joyce Luke. There are some lookers from that. They usually come to a lot of events. Um, there's a guy named uh, Scott Wells in the Houston area who – he recently he had some uh, training and did some training with Steve Cotter, and so he he was getting his gym in the kettlebell sport. Um, so there's there's definitely uh, uh, a number of gyms in most of the major Texas cities really starting to get into it. Oh, neat! So it's growing in Texas. Yeah. 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 Do you have any question? Um, what year again, Jay? Did you say that you guys started the company? Uh, so we made our first sale to a, a stranger, maybe not a friend or family, in uh, <laughs> September of 2013. So we're about four and a half years in. This September will be our fifth year. Uh, was so would that have sale been done specifically through the website online or? Yeah, uh, it's some. You know, we built our website, and you know, it's one of the funny things when you start a business is we were like, well, we're going to have free shipping. We're going to have high quality kettlebells. Who's not going to buy from us, you know? And that was just uh, super foolish in the beginning. Obviously you have to build trust and you have to build loyalty. Um, and so, you know, we probably had the website up for two weeks or so, you know, no sales came through. I think I might've purchased one just to make myself feel better. <laughs> um, and then just all of a sudden one night we were actually having like a, a team conference call and I got the email notification on my phone. So and so just purchased something from your store, and I was like, "Hey, we just got our first purchase." Did you guys um, frame it? Print it off and frame it? Yeah. What was yeah. that experience like? Uh, it was kind of surreal. You know, it's 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 interesting when you're on the other end of the transaction. I mean, we're so used to being the consumers ourselves, um, and so it's like, wow, it's like someone trusted our website, trusted our pictures enough to to buy from us and so you know we wanted to just learn everything we could about this person who is this mysterious human being that would actually purchase from us um that's kind of creepy we, <laughs> uh sometimes you got to be creepy i guess uh to, to try to learn about who's out there but you know i think i emailed the guy hey like how'd you find us and that type of thing and you know he just randomly found us on the internet um so that was september of 2013 and, and uh, um Sorry, go, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, you know, probably for the first six to eight months, we, you know, we get one or two sales a week, something like that. Uh, so that was about the velocity. You know, a good week would be like we had five or six orders in the store. 
Um, and then about eight to nine months in is where I think we really started getting some traction and picking up from there. And can you describe some of the the trends over time, uh, not only um, within the business, but what you're kind of seeing, uh, you know, happening on the outside, the trends in kettlebell sport and, and how that was reflected in the operation of your business or or sales or stuff like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, kettlebells are, are definitely increasing. Like I, I think most people's initial exposure to them is probably through some kind of fitness program. Um, but, you know, there are what I would just call kettlebell, kettlebell people out there, people who just love kettlebells, right? And they just, they just believe in kettlebells. They've had success with kettlebells. Uh, and, and that type of person is increasing as more people learn how to use them correctly. Um, because when people know how to use them correctly, that's where they really start to see the positive effects. Um, you know, I think one of the fascinating things about our business is when we first started, you know, most people did not know what a competition kettlebell is, most normal consumers. Um, and that's still the case. I mean, I think most people, when they think kettlebell, they think like, you know, the, the black cast iron type. Um, but we've certainly seen a large uptick in competition style kettlebells selling each year, uh, just as more people appreciate them for the benefit of, uh, more comfort during clean snatches, jerks, the weight in the top of the kettlebell, you know, a bigger base, which is even great for like a boot camp type scenario. Let's say you're doing just like push-ups or dips or something like that. You know, I think they're better for those who have a larger base. So more and more what I you know non kettlebell sport people are starting to purchase competition kettlebells each year also um I have a question about the adjustable kettlebell um yeah. obviously there's demand for it, especially with people who are in um environments where they either don't have a lot of space or economically just don't have a lot of money. Uh, I have a client of mine who or a member of our team who works out uh, on oil rigs most of the time and he has limited space um and so he uh had recently purchased an adjustable uh kettlebell for himself but can you tell us what went into the r&d for that and how you guys decided about you know whether or not you would introduce one in the first place yeah um that's uh, a great question so it all kind of starts with the overall philosophy that i've mentioned a couple of times which is like even though we're selling kettlebells we're looking to do something different we're looking to innovate you know we don't want to just sell kettlebells you know we have other projects that we're working on now with like mobility stretching and meal plans that type of thing also but um what went into it is we knew we wanted to design a competition kettlebell that would be up to the standards of the most serious lifters um, and so we got a couple of prototypes done that were just general kind of shaped competition kettlebells. And we had those tested again by Texas Kettlebell Academy. I think we sent one to Ken Fox, um, and a couple other people, you know, just try this out, you know, beat the heck out of it for a while and let us know your thoughts. Um, they, they ended up actually liking them, um, you know, they, folks like that have been in kettlebells for so much longer than us. You know, they mentioned that a lot of people had attempted making adjustable kettlebells and no one ever really seemed to be able to make a good one. And so they seem to be really pleased with the basic structure, which is the rod in the middle, the weight, weight plates around the rod and then the bolt to secure it and then screwing on the bottom. 
so after that, we we just decided that we were going to get it made specifically to our competition kettlebell model because that was the model that had been adopted by you know Orange Kettlebell Club at the time. Uh, so that had the most widespread adoption, and it was going to give us a way for people who wanted to go to competitions who that use our kettlebells could save money and train if they had a had to go to another location as opposed to just their home and not take all their kettlebells with them. And not need one of every weight. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've mentioned Kim Fox a couple of times, and she's the perfect example. You know, a world champion lifter, um, but she has to travel quite a bit um, for work because um, she's in the military, right? And so, you know, she's on base. She has to go to different locations. And so, when you're trying to compete at the level that she's trying to compete at, uh, you have to 100% have to train. There's no way around it. Uh, but you also, you have a, you know, you have a different program that might call for one or two kilogram jumps on a different day in your set. Um, and so it's, it's about an ideal score that gets for someone like her. Mm-hmm. It beats having to duct tape the weight plates on the bottom of the kettlebell. Well, that's, you know, that's certainly what lifters were having to do and were doing for a while. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, the, the feedback for that adjustable kettlebell has, been really phenomenal people really do like it uh honestly we, we have a lot of trouble keeping it in stock um we've, we've been out now for a couple months unfortunately um but it's it's had a lot of success that's for sure um so you've been around for a number of years now and you've seen an, an increase in uh demand and and you've responded with an increase in production are there any um, geographical areas where you're having trouble making a dent in or any markets that you're having trouble making a dent in that you're trying to pursue? Well, yes. I mean, the, the biggest obstacle is anywhere not in the continental United States or Canada, right? Because your biggest sell is, is the free shipping. Right. Aside um, from all, you know, all the other stuff, the, the high quality and, and all that stuff. The, the big draw probably for a lot of people is that free shipping. Yeah, exactly. And just by the nature of what we sell, it's it's not cheap, unfortunately, to get, you know, just one kettlebell to Europe. Um, that's something that, like, we've been working on for quite some time. We have about as favorable rates to Europe as we've ever had. Um, but due to the nature, you know, kettlebell sport is simultaneously, like, a global community, but also a very small niche community. Mm-hmm. So lifter, lifters in countries around the world all follow the same people. They all know each other. They all follow the same account. So uh, we we actually do have a warehouse in Sydney, Australia now. Um, so so we are shipping in Australia. Um, we have free shipping in Australia because we ship from a warehouse there. Um, but the biggest obstacles are pretty much anywhere else in the world geographically just because of shipping costs. Interesting. Because I, I, I was going to say, you're obviously making a dent internationally because um i saw tons of photos of an australian competition that was recent um or it seemed recent because it would have been on instagram and whatnot but so yeah that would so we, we just sponsored the national championship in, Al- in albury at uh lone dog training facility there and so that's for the australian national team that will be going to IUKL world um it it it, it just happened to work out really well they found us and they approached us about sponsoring their competition about two years ago now. And so we examined it and we talked with our UPS reps to see if we could find options for shipping within Australia. 
And so that's, that's kind of how we made our plunge into Australia, so to speak, was sponsoring their national championships and setting up a shipping warehouse there. Which is great because they typically have a big team. Like both times we've yeah. gone to Worlds, they've always had a good-sized team. So that's you're putting the word out, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and because Kettlebell Sport is such a uh, large and small community at, at the same time, um, that's why you know doing something like sponsoring a national championship is a great way to enter a country, so to speak. Yes. Uh, because there's so much camaraderie and so much loyalty amongst those lifters uh, that if you can provide good kettlebells to them and help support them in other ways, they're certainly going to re- reward you and uh, telling other people about you. You know, the nature of someone who's in a kettlebell sport is like they are, they're a kettlebell fanatic, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, if they are even having a conversation with anyone about kettlebells uh, and you've created a good product and you've helped them out, uh, you know, they're for sure going to be mentioning you in the conversation as far as the recommendation goes. Um, Jay, obviously an important part of running a retail business is um, being able to innovate on a relatively consistent basis. And as, and as, and as, um, as much as, you know, there's, there's only so much that can or should be done with kettlebells in terms of uh, design or aesthetic, um, that's probably something that you guys, you know, think about is, you know, how are we going to innovate? How are we going to stay fresh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and part of that is going to be dependent on how well you're listening to what's going on around you. Are there people, are there members of the kettlebell community that you guys stay in touch with to kind of see what's going on in the community? And do you guys make a point of heading out to events to pick up on kind of the, what the what the vibe is and, and what's kind of what's happening, what's fresh, what's new. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so, you know, we've been a part of the, the Texas Kettlebell Academy event for three years in a row now. Um, you know, it's officially now Kettlebell Kings Texas Open. Um, so we ha- you have lifters coming to Austin each year specifically for that. Uh, and that's a great opportunity to get feedback and meet people we haven't met before. Um, you know, so we had lifters from Toronto last year. We had lifters from New York. We had lifters from California. Um, so we had people from all over, some people who I had not met with personally who came to our event last year. And, you know, I, I always try to ask feedback, uh, you know, how the bells treat you? Is there anything you would change? You know, what do you like about them? What do you not like about them? We've gone to the WAC World Championships um, last year, both the last two years. You know, that's one of the bigger events in the world. Um, you know, you have people coming from South America, Russia to that event. Um, and so certainly ask, you know, ask those people like Dennis Priscilla, you know, what do you think about the spell? Is there anything that you would change? You know, how could it be better? And so even though, you know, the example of that is even though we have structurally had the same kettlebell for the last three and a half years now that's using competition, we have tweaked it along the way. You know, the, the first change was our first a couple of batches had uh, stamped logos as opposed to recessed logos. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you have one of the old stamped logo bells, it's kind of a antique at this time. But, uh, you know, based on lifter feedback, we started getting them recessed into the bell, you know, after about our third or fourth batch, so that there's no imprint on your arm. Um, same thing on the handles. So, you know, we had fairly smooth handles like most competition kettlebells have when those first came out and then through talking to lifters at different events, you know, they suggested getting 
uh, a more pitted handle for grip and for holding chalk. Uh, so we made that change. Uh, so even our popular model itself has gone through a couple iterations. Um, do you personally have a favorite kettlebell movement that you like to do? Yeah, I'm partial to snatch. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure why it is, um, but it, you know, if I'm lifting by myself, and I, I certainly have found myself doing a lot more kettlebell workouts here lately. Um, I, uh, I like to do a lot of snatches, and that's where you asked earlier if we ever have a kid to get about sport. I, you know, I've never fully tried to train for an event, but I will try to do long, longer snatch sets. And I won't even tell you numbers because it would be embarrassing compared to what y'all do. <laughs> um, and do you uh, use the competition bell, or do you have a different style bell that you like to use for the snatch? Yeah. No, I definitely use a comp bell. I, I do prefer comp bells. I, I use them almost any chance I get. Uh, you know, when we first started, we were certainly a bit more agnostic to what someone bought from us. We just wanted to provide high quality kettlebells and let customers choose. Um, and, you know, pretty frequently people who email or call in will ask, like, if you have a recommendation. And, you know, previously I would have just said, you know, it's kind of what you're used to and what your budget is. Uh, but now I would certainly tell someone that a competition kettlebell is just, it's, it's just a much superior bell to a, uh, a traditional cast iron bell because of the balance and the size and, and that type of thing. So looking at all your social media, does anything stand out to you that has really impressed you? Like, has have you come across something and you're just like, wow, I can't believe that person just pulled that off? Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, you know. So, um, you know, we just repost, reposted on Saturday. Um, we just reposted uh, Marty um, Farrell, you know, doing, he hit his own personal goal of uh, 15 snatch reps on each side with a 48 kilogram. Oh, yeah, um, I saw so, that. Yeah, when I first saw that, I was just like, oh, my gosh. And um, that would be an example. Um, you know, there's some different, what I would call strength athletes that we work with or repost frequently, you know, and to see some of the stuff they're doing where, you know, they're, swinging or bent pressing like our 92 kilogram bells uh that's just mind-blowing every time i see it um so there's certainly no shortage of even the stuff that we repost on a, on a weekly basis being uh really impressed or you know if i'm hit if the in inevitable conversation comes up with someone who's asking what i do and you know i, I run a kettlebell business and start talking about kettlebell sport you know i'll be like yeah like you should see it like there's people you know, who uh, snatch 35 pounds 200 times in a row. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's so impressive. So it, there's such a, a wide variety of, of, of impressive pieces, kettlebells. It doesn't necessarily have to be just heavyweight. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of come to an end, um, where do you see um, you and Kettlebell Kings? What is your vision for the company over the next five years? a great question uh you know I, one of our i know our company goals is, is to actually meet demand you know we'd like to solve that problem and be become you know the largest kettlebell provider in the world uh i think that we can do it we have the right people around us supporting us uh, our biggest issue is just always not having enough stock um so that would be a goal for us is to, to finally meet inventory demand 
Um, we're really working on some exciting things right now with kettlebells. You know, if you've seen some of the more decorative stuff that we've done recently with Cerakote kettlebells. Um, so, you know, we can paint them in all kinds of really neat colors, um, you know, camo patterns, stripe patterns. Um, those are on our social media. And that Cerakote paint is actually the most durable paint that's possible on a kettlebell right now. It's traditionally used for firearms. So, so it won't um, chip know, like some of them, like you just see paint flying as they're long cycling? Yeah, exactly. And so it won't chip like that. It won't flake. Um, and on top of that, you know, you can do virtually any kind of color pattern that you want as well. So you can make them look really cool. Um, you know, we just launched a new site within the last two weeks called Living.Fit. Um, it's a brand new um, kettlebell. It's a lifestyle site that is centered around kettlebell lifting as the main form of strength and conditioning. Um, so we'll be using that portal as like the main way to put out really professional, instructional kettlebell content. Uh, we collaborate on that with Brittany Van Travendyke. And so she's one of the main trainers on that. We've got, you know, over 300 videos now there with how to snatch, you know, both sport style and hard style, how to swing a kettlebell. Um, you know, 300 different movements. We've got some mobility stuff, some um, stretching. We're going to be working on some meal plan stuff. Um, so that's, you know, what we're really excited about right now is using that as a way to really teach people how to lift with kettlebells. Because what we found is, you know, even though kettlebells are gaining popularity, the vast majority of people still don't really know how to use them properly. And so, Having this portal, I think it's going to go a long way in being able, people being able to educate themselves about how to use a kettlebell. Can you repeat the website again, just so that people can get it? Yeah, it's living.fit. So it, it's kind of a unique name. It's not a .com or anything like that. It's just living.fit. Okay. So if you were to go to the internet and type in living.fit or www.living.fit, um, that's where it is. And so that just launched, it's in its infancy right now. It's still probably about 300 videos. But over time, we want to use that to have people like Brittany or other competitors actually teach in-depth courses on kettlebell sport. Um, you know, as y'all know, you know, you could do, you know, an hour-long series just on like the snatch, for example. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be creating a lot of content with professionals um, at living.fit to help spread the word. Uh, about kettlebells to people. Um, Jay, one of the things that comes up every now and again is will kettlebell sport ever be introduced into the Olympics? And there's a few reasons why it hasn't yet, and uh, there's several criteria that need to be met before it ever does happen. Um, but I want to know, as a as a kettlebell manufacturer, you know, in in Olympic weightlifting, the gold standard for the Olympic barbell. Um, particularly in on the Olympic stage, is the Alico bar, right? Alico is known for, you know, that's that's the bar that you go with when you're when we're talking the Olympics or other, um, uh, you know, higher High level. level competitions. So I want to know how hard you're going to push for that contract if and when kettlebell sport does make it into into the Olympics. Oh, it would be pretty hard. Uh... So, you know, we're working on some things right now, and hopefully we will be providing for IUK Worlds this year. Um, and, you know, as, as you probably know, we do provide for WAX Worlds. So uh, we're doing our best to position ourselves for 
what I hope is an inevitability. Uh, it certainly belongs in the Olympics. Uh, it's, I mean, I, it's, to me, I can't think of a more Olympic-like sport. You know, as much as I like basketball and other sports, uh, and what's more Olympic-like than kettlebell lifting? Um, and so we would be working very hard, that's for sure. Cool. Um, all right, Jay, that's, I think that's all we, uh, are looking to get out of you today. We won't keep you any longer. Um, before, uh, we do part ways though, I'd like you to, uh, go ahead and just give our listeners a recap of where they can find you guys and your company, what your social media is. And, um, even if there's any particular, uh, things that you'd like to plug that are kind of your, your, that are in their infancy and you're, and you're just releasing. Uh, uh, on top of the live.fit uh, website even. Sure. So, I mean, we can be found pretty much anywhere at Kettlebell King. The website is kettlebellking.com. Um, our, our biggest two social avenues are Facebook and Instagram. On both of those, we're Kettlebell King. Um, so in both of those avenues, you know, if you have followed us for a while, you know that we try to put out really helpful, informative content. Um, with different professional lifters and, and that's been our focus from the beginning of our existence is putting out educational type stuff with our equipment um, and then like I mentioned we are just within the last few weeks we've launched our new website living.fit which is our training website and that has you know right now over 300 different kettlebell movements in kettlebell sports and hard style um, you know, we're about to, within the next week, be uploading some videos on stretching, mobility. Um, we have meal plans coming in the next few months. Um, so those will be the main avenues where we can be found. Uh, you can always be reached via email at info at kettlebellteams.com. Uh, we always try to reply really fast. Um, you know, less than uh, 12 hours. That's info at kettlebellteams.com. Well, thank you, Jay. We really appreciate your time. Um, and hopefully we'll meet you personally uh, at a competition sometime in the future. We do have February in mind, in case any of you guys will be there. Yep. I just have to recover from an injury so I can truly <laughs> lift. <laughs> yeah, well, that that would be great. I, I would love to. And, you know, like we talked about the events, I mean, the, the, one of the best things about going is meeting the people. And um, it, you know, the first time we went to a big event, it was just so exciting because I met so many people that I'd interacted with over email and, and answered questions for. And they're like, oh, are you Jay who answered my question? Uh, so uh, meeting people at events is, is certainly one of the best parts about this community. And that'd be awesome. I love that. Yeah, we'll look over you for sure. As well. Thank you very much for having me.